I know, I know. I'm looking at a friend of mine who is telling me we've got to change our bumper music. We're going to. We're going to change it, but not, not today. By the way, hello. My name is Sean Barkley. I'm so glad to have you along at the well. For the next 15 minutes, we're going to talk about how to live wisely and faithfully in God's wonderful world. And I hope you're having a great day today, whatever the day happens to be. And I hope that 15 minutes from now, your day will be even better because we've spent this time together. So I was reading an article in the newspaper about a man named Jeff Lanham. And I'm in Cincinnati, by the way. And Jeff Lanham is a Cincinnati Bengals fan. He's in his 40s. He owns a bar over in Milan, Indiana. I'm going to call it Milan. Might be Milan, but I'm guessing the Hoosiers call it Milan. And so he owns a bar over there. One day he's watching the Bengals play with some people in the bar, and he makes this bold proclamation after the Bengals lost to the Arizona Cardinals on October the 6th of this year. Hey, I'm going to go live on the rooftop of this bar until the Bengals win a game. And after he said that, everybody jumped on it. Okay, Jeff's going to go live on the roof of the bar. Have you ever? done that where you just say something you want to just literally reach out and grab the words and shove them back in your mouth well that's i'm sure the way he felt but he did he said i'll do it and so he got a 12 by 10 foot tent he pitched it on the top of that roof he got a space heater and a tv and a generator actually probably a long extension cord and a cot and he began to spend 23 hours a day on that rooftop he would um sleep, watch movies on Netflix, and just kind of hang out. He would spend one hour a day taking a shower and getting a little bit of exercise, and he'd go right back to the rooftop. I mean, can you imagine? He said it was cold. It was boring. His wife, Chrissy, said, I have been praying for the Bengals to win so I can get my husband back. His, his daughter, there's a picture of her visiting him up on the rooftop. And then finally last Sunday, the Bengals won a game, and Jeff was able to come down from the rooftop. And when I read that story, of course, it's utterly ridiculous and funny. And I mean, I'm a sports fanatic. I get it. But I mean, that's a long time to wait for the Bengals to win. Here's some thoughts I had. First of all, talk about devotion. I mean, he was willing. He so loves the Bengals and is so devoted to them. He was willing to live on the top of a bar. And also talk about patient. 57 days elapsed between that proclamation on October 6th in the day the Cincinnati Bengals finally beat the New York Jets. And so I just wondered if there was anything that would move me to do that. I mean, is what about you? Is there anything that you feel such incredible devotion to that would move you to do something as extreme as what Jeff did? Well, we're going to talk about waiting. And uh, as if you're familiar with the church, I serve Crestview Church in just outside of Cincinnati. We're in the middle of a sermon series. We're talking about waiting. And our theme is that often God makes us wait in life, and it's in the waiting that God does good things in our lives and through our lives. And this particular week, I've been looking at this statement that I heard uttered not long ago, and it's, it's just stuck in my mind. The person I heard say this made this comment. The fastest and most direct route to get where God wants us to go is to wait on him. Let me say it again. In your life and in mine, the fastest way to get to where God wants us to go is to wait on Him. And so let's think about that in the context of a character we're going to meet in Luke chapter 2. His name is Simeon. Here's what happens. 
When the time of purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. You see, there was a time of purification, a 40-day waiting period between the birth of a son, and if he's a firstborn, his dedication to the Lord. That was customary. And so the firstborn Jewish male was to be viewed as, quote, holy to the Lord. And so thus Joseph and Mary made the six-mile trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, and they arrived at the temple. And when they arrived at the temple to present Jesus to the Lord, to dedicate him, there was someone waiting there. Here you go. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so what we read here is there's a man named Simeon who has a divine appointment that God has made with him. He's waiting for the Messiah to come. And it's interesting what we're going to read here. There is a pattern that God uses in Simeon's life that I think he uses in your life and in my life. In other words, there's something that he's doing with Simeon that he wants to do with you and he wants to do with me. He planted something in Simeon's heart. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Then Simeon keeps showing up at the temple. He's righteous and devout. And then eventually he's moved by the Holy Spirit. He, go back, he goes back to the temple and he meets the Messiah. And God fulfills that promise. And so that's kind of the, the pattern there. Let me, let me repeat that again. God makes a promise. He's made a promise to you and me. And we're going to talk about that. God has planted a desire deep within Simeon. Simeon responds by living righteously and devoutly. He just keeps showing up at the temple. Eventually, he's moved by the Holy Spirit. And all that equals into God's fulfillment of that promise and a divine appointment between Simeon and Jesus the Christ. So let's just kind of break that down. The first thing that comes to my mind is he was eagerly waiting for God to show up. God had placed this promise, this desire, deep within the heart of Simeon. So let's bring it back to our own lives. Is there something God has placed deep within your soul? Maybe it's related to your faith. Maybe it's related to your family, your vocation, your church. Is there something God has said, this is a promise I am making to you. This is something I have placed in your life that I, I want to fulfill in you. You see, as people who are walking with Christ, it's important to understand that we have a unique worldview and we have a unique view of our own lives. And one aspect of this view of our lives is that we believe God has given each of us a calling, that each of us has a divinely given role to play, and that we can be led by God's Spirit in our lives. That's our view of life. That is a Christ-like worldview. In other words, we don't believe that life is just kind of happenstance and arbitrary and we're just out here on our own. No, we believe that God has a rhythm and a design for each of us. And so Simeon understood this. He kept showing up day after day. He keeps heading to the temple. We don't know how old he is. We have to assume he was elderly because now he says, I can die. So I don't think a young person says that. And so he kept showing up. And here's what I wonder. if I wonder if there were days when Simeon said, I'm a little tired today. I'm not going. This just isn't working. This is just never going to happen. 
But apparently he did not do those things because he understood that waiting on God's timing is the most direct way to get where God wants us to go. Often God says to you and me, I want you to wait. Perfect example in the Bible. Wonderful example. Before Jesus' ascension, after his crucifixion and resurrection, he gave the great commission to his disciples. And we all know that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. That is the great commission. That's what God said to his disciples. But then he, but then Jesus also said, but first, don't leave Jerusalem. I want you to just wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so for a week, two weeks, the disciples waited in some upper room. Now, it's probably a lot nicer than the top of a bar in Milan, Indiana, but we don't know. But they waited for, let's say, 10 days. And then came the Holy Spirit. Then came Pentecost. Were it not for their willingness to wait, there would be no book of Acts. There would be no early church. Isn't that amazing? God said, here's what I want you to do. But first, I want you to wait. Is there a person or a situation that's a part of God's dream for your life? that's taking more time than you would like. We don't like to wait. We talked about in our church last Sunday that of all the things that we don't like to do as Americans, waiting is one of the main things we do not like to do because we know the pace of life is accelerating. Everything's moving faster and faster. But there are good things that still take time. You know, my, my wife uh, loves to garden. And so this past year, she harvested dead marigolds. I'm going to say she did it in October. And so she took these dead marigolds into the garage, and she's drying these dead marigolds. She's then going to harvest the dry seeds from the marigolds. Then in the late spring, she's going to plant them in our garage under a light and let them start to grow. And then in early summer, late spring, she's going to transplant those growing plants outside in the pots and there will be new marigolds. It's going to take time. You know, if it's me, I'm like, can we not just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy new marigolds? But she likes that process of harvesting, allowing them to die, to dry, to plant the seeds, to grow the seeds, and then to transfer the plants. There's a process. Life is moving fast, but God still moves at the speed of a seed sometimes. And so there you go. So let's, let's move on. Simeon reminds us of God's prompt, of God's process. And what do we learn about God's process here? Well, here's what we learn. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when he got to the temple courts, he saw the parents bring the child Jesus to do what the law required. And Jesus took him up into, and, and Simeon took Jesus up in his arms. You know, here's, here's what I make of Simeon. First of all, we had read that he was righteous and devout. And then also we read that he was moved by the Holy Spirit. So verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem, Simeon, who was righteous and devout. And then we also read in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. So what do we make of Simeon? God has promised him something. God has planted this dream in his life. And then we learn that he was devout and he was righteous. To say he was righteous means that he had a right relationship with God. To say he was devout means that he was devoted to a life of obedience. Day in and day out, 
he went to the temple. You and I know that excellence doesn't come overnight. It's about a lifetime of faithfulness. I love the quote from one of my favorite pastors who was um, just a, a, a guy. I don't know him, but I read what he had to say. He talked about a long obedience in the same direction. And I just love that image of just a long obedience. I'm going to just stay obedient and I'm going to continue in God's direction. Now, I'm a Presbyterian minister and we have meetings of our, our association, which is called a presbytery. And once a year, we'll have pastors who are retiring speak at the presbytery meeting and reminisce a little bit. When I was a young pastor, that was my cue when that happened in that meeting to go get a cup of coffee and to yuck it up with my buddies. That's changed over the years. Maybe it's because I'm closer to the old guys than the young guys now in terms of my own age stage of life, but now I like to listen to what they have to say as they're retiring. And often I find myself moved emotionally as I listen to these pastors who just kept showing up. So Simeon was devout. And then we read he was moved by God's Spirit at just the right time. See, I mentioned earlier we have a, a worldview as followers of Jesus. You know, being a, being a Christian and being a part of church isn't just about learning good citizenship. I mean, we learn that God has a, a design for our life and a design for the way we look at the world. And one of the things that we understand is the word providence, that God is providential. He is active in our lives. He is moving us and he is placing us exactly where he wants us to be. And that's what we see with Simeon. So Simeon was doing his thing. He was showing up. And then God does his thing and moves him by the Spirit. God has his own timing. I've become um, a coffee snob. And, I, you know, I guess if you're going to be a snob about something, coffee is okay. And I was recently reading about all this craft coffee. You know, you get craft beer, and now you got all this craft coffee. And it's really become a huge market. And there are brands like Stumptown, which you could, it's going to cost you $16 for a cup of craft coffee, which is a little high for my taste. But in this article I was reading, the author talked about different waves in the coffee industry. Talked about the first wave in the coffee industry was coffee you could make at home. Folgers, Maxwell House, instant coffee. Coffee that was prepared by perking it or drip coffee. That was the first wave of coffee. You can now make it at home. Then came the second wave, which was on-the-go coffee. Starbucks and 7-Eleven and Dunkin' Donuts and Panera Bread and Tim Hortons and all these different brands where you don't have to perk it at home. You don't have to sit down in a diner or a restaurant and wait for it. You can go through a drive-thru and you can get your coffee. And then has come the third wave, which is craft coffee. Again, like Ritual and Stumptown. Selling for $10, $15, $16 a cup. And the author made this observation. The marketplace was not ready for these craft coffees after the first wave. We couldn't go from making a little bit of instant Maxwell House or Folgers in the kitchen to spending 16 bucks on a cup of craft coffee. There had to be a second wave. The marketplace had to establish the right time. And what we're saying in terms of our faith here is that God, through the Holy Spirit, moves us in God's time. And so we have that equation again. 
God plants a dream in your life and mine. We are devout and we keep showing up. God moves us at just the right time. We're prompted by the Spirit. And then we have this divine appointment. And so look at what God does in the life of Simeon. Simeon, in verse 28, takes Jesus in his arms and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, God, you have been promising this, and here we are. It, I, I can go now. I can dine out, or I can quit showing up at the temple every day. After the time of waiting for God to fulfill his promise, God did. Sovereign Lord, just as you said you were going to do, you did. You see, God wants to bless each of our lives. Remember, after creating Adam and Eve, the text reads, he blessed them. And when God blesses you and me, it's often in ways we can't imagine. It's often in categories that don't seem like a blessing to you and me. You think about those early followers of Jesus, all those disciples, all the disciples died violent deaths, except for John, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul died a violent death. I mean, it, you know, but they were blessed by God in ways they could not imagine. And, and what I believe is that God knows me well enough often not to give me what I want <laughs> in the moment, especially. But God prepares me as I wait. And so years ago, faithful theologians, they coined this phrase, the perseverance of the saints, meaning that what God started in your life and in my life or in our soul, God will complete. Paul wrote, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it in the end. And so this week I'm, I'm asking myself, I'm going to ask the congregation that I love and serve to look back on their lives. Maybe you can do the same thing. Is there something God placed deep within your heart that he's asking you to wait on? Some kind of dream for your life, dream for your family, dream for your church, dream for your neighborhood or community where God says this is a God-given dream and it hasn't happened yet. Remember, God is in the business of showing up and making good on his promises. If there's a verse for you to remember from today, it's Psalm 5, verse 3. Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. Why not try doing that this week? When you think about that, that thing that God has given to you, that promise God has made. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. I lay my request before you, and then I wait for you with great expectation. You see, 2,000 years ago, a guy named Simeon kept showing up. And he met the consolation of Israel. That same Messiah that he met is still in the business of showing up. And so that's the word for this week. To, to remain patient, to be devout, to lay a request before God and to wait with expectation, understanding that eventually, in his providence and in his timing, God's going to show up. Well, there you are. I hope the rest of your day goes wonderfully, and I look forward to our conversation next time. Have a great day.